Amen. That is uh, good to worship with you today through song. And I want to take just a moment to extend my own happy Mother's Day. This is a unique opportunity for me to be able to say directly to my mom, Happy Mother's Day. It's been too many weeks since I've seen her, too many weeks since I've seen you, Mom. And I want to just acknowledge uh, to you that I'm grateful for you. My mom is an incredible servant. Uh, She's the communications director for the Sibley family. Uh, She is wise. She loves Jesus. She loves her family. She loves her church. And she is the president of the Carlos Sibley Preaching Fan Club. Before anybody else was listening, uh, Mom was there cheering me on. And uh, Mom, I love you, thankful for you, and I look forward to being able to see you soon. I want to ask all of us today to take our Bibles and open them to the New Testament book of Philippians. The New Testament book of Philippians, and you can find chapter 4. Philippians, the the letter of Philippians is a book that, if you know anything about it, it'll bring a smile to your face just by mentioning the letter. It's a book written by the Apostle Paul while he was under house arrest. There were so many difficult circumstances that he was dealing with, but yet he writes and repeats over and over again uh, the importance of rejoicing, the importance of not letting circumstances be the determining factor in how we experience life, how we uh, look forward to the future, and it's a wonderful book of joy. I want to speak today to you on um, a, a, a subject that uh, is a secret. Uh, Paul speaks in Philippians chapter 4 about a secret that he has learned. Uh, last year on this weekend, our church family, through the message, gave a gift to moms. Some of you may remember this. I know that many, many of you have benefited from this. Last year on Mother's Day, we gave the gift through a message of prayer. Uh, There's a group of people over the last year that came together with a name that we called Gideon's Guard. And every Friday for the past year, there has been about a dozen people, uh, a different dozen each Friday of the month, praying and fasting for families. And over this past year, it's been an incredible encouragement to me to get texts from people saying... Hey, I'm at my post. I am serving in Gideon's guard. I'm praying. I'm fasting for families. How can I pray? Or this is what I'm praying. And uh, so today, as we mark the uh, end of that one-year commitment, I would just say thank you to those who've prayed and fasted for the past year on Fridays. I would say to you, if you want to continue this discipline in your life, that certainly every family that's connected to our church would benefit from you continuing to pray and fast on those Fridays. But today I want to give you a new gift to moms, but not just to moms, to every person. It's a single jewel. It's not a diamond. It's, it's not a pearl. Uh, it's not a ruby. It is a single jewel in the Christian life. Paul refers to it as a secret. I want to speak to you for a few minutes on the subject of contentment. The subject of contentment. 
And by contentment, I mean very simply the, the state of being happy and satisfied wherever we find ourselves. It's a, it's a state of being satisfied, a state of being happy, a state of, uh, of finding our sufficiency. Listen, not in ourselves, because that certainly runs out. And not in other things, because that certainly is empty. But finding our satisfaction and our happiness in Jesus Christ. And here's a, a lesson that I hope could drive home throughout these next few minutes. And it's this. You will never need more than what Jesus has already promised. You'll never need more than what Jesus has already promised. And that's where we can find our contentment. Living in the promises of Christ. Living in the faithful promises of Christ. Uh, in these days uh, that are so different, I think it's good for us to ask the question, what has the Lord taught us? What has the Lord taught us? That, what has the Lord taught us? Yeah. Okay. I wonder if there's a way to pull the power on that. No, I mean, it does it by itself. But, um. Yeah, Saturday, but it gets to a certain water level and it, and it, it fills that. There's not a valve that can, there's not just some way to turn it off. But I don't know if that controls the valve or the water. It's never done it in a sermon before. You know, it's only, it only does that in a, in a, when you're baptizing. It's circulating, something circulating the water. It's part, I'm saying it's the heater. I mean, if you're able to cut the power to it without cutting other things, it'll be. I mainly would just think, um, yeah, thinking, gosh, I wonder if they're picking that up. Okay. Is there a way to set the, can we set the clock back to 24 minutes? It's like the official, please set the game clock back to 24 minutes. Thank you. Play on.
are you are you ready? Yeah. Jason, you ready? Yeah, we got it. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Okay. All right. During this unique time, I think it's really important for us to ask some questions, to evaluate some things about our heart and life and mind before we kind of see things just totally and completely open up again. So one of those questions would be, what has the Lord taught you? What has the Lord taught you during this time? That's a great question regardless of what time of the year it is or what time of the season of life. Uh, but what lessons have you learned? Uh, our desire to get out and get moving uh, may be driven a lot by us not learning many things at all. And uh, we, we need to really pay attention to what is it that's pushing us and driving us to thinking we want everything to go back to some kind of uh, normal. But... Let me, let me just think with you about this. And as I think about what I'm learning. And I ask that question to myself. And I said, Carlos, what have you learned? What's the Lord teaching you? Others have asked me that question as well. And what I'm realizing is, is that the things that I'm learning during this time actually began well before this time started. And God was doing something at the beginning of 2020 that has just continued during this season. And in January of this year, God really began to work in my heart and life in this area of contentment and where I found my satisfaction and where I could find peace and joy and how to deal with circumstances, whether I had a lot or whether I had little. And, uh, and, and it, it began in a, in a heavy way by a book that I was introduced to by Reed Carr. Reed lives in Rome, Italy, and he told me in January about a book uh, by a man by the name of Jeremiah Burroughs. Probably never heard of him. I never had heard of him. But Jeremiah Burroughs wrote a book called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. Now, a reason that maybe you'd ne never heard of that name or never heard of that book, that I'd never heard of that name or book, is because that book was written in 1648. And so it is a, a, a book that goes back several hundred years. But I ordered a copy of it, was able to get a hold of a copy of it, and began to just read day after day through this subject and teaching about contentment. Not really knowing and all that God was doing there, but the Lord was kind of teaching the lesson. He was giving instruction. And in a way, like learning is, I was getting the instruction in January and February. And then I feel like in March, April, and May, God's been giving me the test. 
And, and, I, and I'm beginning to see that the Lord is teaching me some things about contentment. Uh, as we prepare to head back out and, and life gets maybe more and more uh, uh, free for us to do the things that we would say this is what we want to do, be reminded we're going to be faced with enormous opportunities to find our happiness and our satisfaction in things that simply do not satisfy. And there can be some great longings in our heart to do this, to go this place, to experience that, to make this happen, thinking then I will be happy or satisfied. I love the way Greg Laurie put it. He made this statement speaking of contentment. He said, if I am not satisfied with what I have, I will never be satisfied with what I want. Let me say that again. If I am not satisfied with what I have, I will never be satisfied with what I want. I think it's so important for us in this little window of time to find some way to pray to the Lord, to ask the Spirit of God, Lord, in this time where maybe I'm not able to do the things that I want to do, have the things that I want to have, be able to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish Lord, would you help some way supernaturally in my heart for me to get to a point where I'm satisfied with what I have instead of trying to wait on maybe something that I want. Think about it. How much of anything is enough? In your life today, as you deal with the appetites of the flesh, as you think about the things that you're longing for, hoping for, the things that change your moods, how much is enough? Somewhere back there a few months ago, we might have said, I wish I could just take some time off. Or I wish I just had more time in my day. I wish things weren't so busy. And then we have some kind of incredible season like this and we still find out, wow, I wish I just had, well, it wasn't time that I needed. How much time is enough? How much money is enough? How much sex is enough? How much popularity is enough? How much recognition will be enough? How much affirmation is enough? How many homes will be enough? How many cars will be enough? How many acres will be enough? Senior in high school, I feel like the Lord began to even work then in trying to teach me what it looks like to be content and had this opportunity to buy this sports car. I'd worked for several years and saved up there and, and, uh, and through the help of my parents helping me watch my money and working for my dad, I, I was, got this car and it was, it was a fun car and I, I was so excited. It was a 1984, it was my senior year, 1984, the year I graduated, Toyota Supra. And I was, gosh, I was in love. And I had this car, and, and I knew, I mean, you didn't have to go looking for it. I knew that this 1984 Supra had 161 horsepower. Do you, know, do you know what's significant about that? It's significant because the 1983 Toyota Super only had 160 horsepower. And so I was able to say to anybody else that had a year older than that, oh, mine's got more horsepower. Then 1988 came along and I found out that the 1988 version of the Toyota Super had 200 horsepower. 
And I remember being so frustrated by that. I love my car, but I I started going by the car dealership, and I found this blue two uh, this blue 1988 Toyota Supra, and I thought I'm going to trade mine in. And the only reason that I wanted to trade it in was because I would be able to go from 161 horsepower to 200 horsepower. In in our life, we can get caught in those traps where where we think just a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more, but it's never enough. Well, listen to what Paul says here in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now this subject of contentment is uh, in many ways, it's, for me, it's like opening up a can of something that I think to myself, I'll never be able to finish this. And in some ways, even talking about the subject of contentment, I realize that there's probably like this 20-minute version and there's like this two-hour version. And I know you're thinking, well, Pastor, give us the 20-minute version today and we'll get back to the two-hour one later. But let me just say to you now, just three truths about contentment. Number one, contentment is enjoyable. I'm learning from God's word and from what Philip, uh, what, what uh, Paul writes to the Philippians that uh, contentment based on his experience is enjoyable. Paul says in this letter to the church at Philippi, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Just prior to that, in verse 10, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. He also said in this same chapter, in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The, the, the overflow of the Apostle Paul's heart was joy. And Paul is saying to the church at Philippi from this uh, house arrest situation... He's, he's saying to them, I, I, I know what the experience is of abounding. I know what the experience is of uh, being brought low. I, I know what the experience is of having plenty of food. I know what the experience is of going to look for food and there not being any food there. But his response is rejoice. Rejoice. And the reason that he could describe uh, life or exhort 
people to live their life with joy is because he was finding in his relationship with Christ this contentment and contentment in Christ was enjoyable. You know, some of the most miserable people that were ever around are those that have the most things. They have so many possessions, so much popularity. They have so many things that in a world system kind of way have come their way, but yet miserable. And Paul is showing us that by this secret of contentment that whether we have all of those things or we don't have all of those things, that there is still the ability to have this sense of deep satisfaction in Christ. Have you ever heard the story of Jack Whitaker? Uh, Jack Whitaker in 2002, at that time, won the largest Powerball lottery that had ever been won in the history of the lottery. He won $315 million in the Powerball lottery. I don't have time to go into it today, but maybe sometime just uh, get on your computer and just Google the name Jack Whitaker lottery winner. And what you find there, unfortunately, is the story of heartache, heartbreak, trouble, pain, difficulty. In many of our minds, when we're driving around, we just think, man, if I could just get the numbers right. If I could just, if I could just have my Powerball chosen. If, I, if my ship would come in. If I could win it all. If I could just get all of that. And whatever is in our pot of gold, figuratively. Well, that happened to Jack Whitaker. He lost his daughter to suicide. He lost his marriage. He, he, he lost his reputation. And the, and the story just goes on and on and on with a person who thought, and I could have so much, but yet no joy there. But contentment is enjoyable. Number two, contentment is possible. It really is. Contentment is possible. When you look at Paul's circumstances, what he describes is a life that was all over the map when it comes to experiences. In other passages of Scripture, uh, the Apostle Paul says, I've been shipwrecked, I've been snake-bitten. Uh, Paul had been in prison. He knew what it was like, as he says here, to have food, but not to have food. He knew what it was like to have riches. He knew what it was like to have popularity. But at the same time, he knew what it was like to be thrown into prison. But yet he says to us, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. How is contentment possible? Well, it's possible because of two great truths about God. God's ability and God's promises. There, contentment is possible because of God's ability. His strength makes it possible for us to be content. Paul says, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul recognizes that this, this secret of contentment can come to our souls regardless of circumstances. 
For this great reason, God's strength is available to me. And so if I have plenty, God is able to show me how to deal with plenty. If I have hunger, God is able to make it to where I'll be fed if I need to be fed. And then Paul recognizes that contentment is possible not only because of God's strength, but also because of God's provision. If you read on in Philippians chapter 4, you come down to verse 19 and Paul says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Contentment for Paul, contentment for you, contentment for you as a mom or a teenager or a dad or a senior adult is possible because of God's strength. He can make He can do all things through you. And it's possible because God will supply some of your needs. No, every need of yours according to his riches in glory. And number three, contentment is enjoyable. Contentment is possible. And contentment is learnable. Contentment is something that we don't just wake up with one morning. Uh, Contentment is not something that we order and take a pill for. Contentment is not something that we um, work our way into. Contentment is not something that comes to us because we finally hit the mark on what is enough. Contentment is actually something that is learned. Paul says two times in Philippians chapter 4, I have learned, I have learned. Paul said in verse 11, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And then in verse 12, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. This letter to the Philippians was probably written around 62 A.D., Uh, This would have been about 24 years into Paul's relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul announces something that's not still going on. Uh, He announces something that he has come to realize. Uh, When Paul says, I have learned, notice the E-D on the end of that word. He says, I have learned. I'm there, praise the Lord. When I look at that, I don't have that... um, decided learning that has happened in my life, I have more of an ING on learning. And and that's maybe where you are. Maybe you could say today with great praise to the Lord, I have learned to be content. I'm saying to you today that I am learning to be content. Still learning the secret. Maybe today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, He would take us a step further Closer to us being able to say, I've learned to be content. How do we learn something? We learn things by time. We learn things by experience. We learn things by failure. We learn things by observation. Paul says, here's a way you can learn contentment. Look at me. Observe me. It's back up in verse 9 of Philippians chapter 4. He says, What have you learned? What you have learned? 
Philippians 4, 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. In a world where we just want this and want that and want this and want that, if I could just have that, if I could just, then I would finally be happy. I'd be satisfied. Paul says, look at my life. Abounding, content. Brought low, content. Full, content. Hungry, content. Look at my life. Observation. What a joy it is to get around people who have a lot, but they're content. What a joy it is to get around people who have so little and find them to be so satisfied. Years ago, learning to water ski, I had the joy of doing that with my big brother. We were in the back of the boat on the Tennessee River. And I remember starting to count the number of times that my older brother fell trying to learn to water ski. And I still remember to this day that, uh, no competition here, but I do remember that 27 times he drank the lake. 27 times. Tried to get up, and then he would just bust it. And then it was my turn. And on the third time, I got up and learned to water ski. Now, you'd say, well, no wonder you did. You just watched somebody fall 27 times. That's the lesson of observation. And, and, and Paul is giving to us this picture here. He says, look, you don't have to fall 27 times in life. Look at what I've gone through in my life and learn the secret of being Content. I'm going to just wrap up by kind of telling you a little story that's happened over the last few days. About a week ago, I asked our staff, part-time, full-time, everybody on our staff, about 18 people, I said, send to me the five words from Scripture that are your most treasured words. I need all staff participation. So over the next few minutes, I began to get these responses, these lists of five words. Now, the potential was there that um, of 90 different words. They could have, there could have been 90 different words according to the number of people that replied. When I took those replies from everybody and I wrote down the different words that were sent there weren't 90 different words there actually was there actually was 30 different words and so obviously a lot of people used the very a lot of people responded with the very same words these precious words these treasured words of scripture they gave me words like grace and mercy and peace and joy and father and steadfast and redemption. And the list went on and on and on. You know what I figured out? I figured out that in the first chapter of Ephesians, a chapter that in my translation of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 1, speaks of the spiritual blessings in Christ. If you read through just chapter 1 in the letter of Ephesians, just chapter 1, listen to this. Of the 30 different treasured words that the staff gave me, 
over half of those words are used in the first chapter of Ephesians chapter 1. Here's what I'm saying. The treasures, the, the, the treasures of Christ, those, those words that we value, words like grace and mercy and love and hope and peace and redemption and inheritance and father and chosen and predestined and salvation and power and patience. Just on and on and on and on. The spiritual blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. All lumped together there in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is saying, Here, here's our account. This is what has been given to us in Christ. Here's what it says in the last couple of verses of Ephesians chapter 1. It says... Uh, Verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all. All in all. Paul is saying that everything we need is found in Christ. He is our all in all. Listen, as we try to learn contentment, we just scratch the surface a little bit about on what that means. Think about what we go through day by day by day. Maybe some routines of checking your accounts, checking your balances. How much cash do I have? How much is in my checking account? How are my investments doing? How are my savings? What about my retirement accounts? We look at our accounts. We look at our schedule of time and what appointments do I have? What work do I have to get done? What deadlines do I have to get done? We look in our closets and we think, what do I have to wear? We look at our relationships and do I have good friends? Do I have faithful friends? Do I have a wife? Do I have a husband? Do I have a girlfriend or boyfriend? We look at our needs. Am I getting affirmation? Am I popular? Do I have power? Do I have food? All of those things. And we take an account of what we have. And it establishes our mood. Disappointment, anxiety, frustration, fear, worry, or maybe peace, excitement, encouragement. Here's what Paul says. I take an account of everything that I have, plenty, little. I'm content. I'm content. Why? Because of the strength of Christ. Because of the supply of God. Because of all the riches that I have in Christ Jesus. See, friends, that, that's why I, I said at the very beginning, you will never need more than what Jesus has already promised Greg Laurie, he said this also. He said, contentment is not fulfillment of what you want. Contentment is the realization of what you already have. We can spend 
too much of our time basing our enjoyment on our environments. And God's word would teach us to base our enjoyment on our inheritance. The riches that we have in Christ. Let me ask you, are you learning the secret of contentment in these days? Let me pray for us. Father, would you help us? Help us to take an account of the riches that we have in Christ and realize that you provide what we need. You bless us. You bless us with riches, Lord. You bless us with treasure. And Lord, the things that last, the things that matter, we find in you. Lord, please help us to learn that lesson. Thank you for being patient with us. By your Holy Spirit today, I pray that you would bring us to a point before we die, Lord. Maybe, Lord, to a point before we come out of this time of isolation, you would bring us to a point of contentment because of who you are in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.